Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Welcome back. I'm Joe Neville and you're listening to Euronet Plus Panorama. In this episode, we look at the issues underlying the violence that's erupted in Kosovo over the past week. 30 members of K4, the NATO-led international force in Kosovo, have been injured in clashes with Serbian demonstrators in northern Kosovo. Hundreds of Serbs took to the streets on Monday, the 29th of May, to prevent four recently elected ethnic Albanian mayors from taking office, reports RTV Slovenia. More than 50 of these protesters also suffered injuries in the skirmish. Italy's former Undersecretary of Foreign Affairs, Marta Dassou, is also Senior Director of European Affairs at the Aspen Institute, an international NGO that strives for a free, just and equitable society. She reminds Radio 24's listeners why NATO still has a presence in Kosovo. We must remember that K4 is still there because Kosovo, which declared its independence in 2008, is a NATO protectorate. Without NATO, the violence we have witnessed over recent days would keep erupting. In northern Kosovo, as we know, there is a Serbian minority that does not accept the idea that there could be an independent Kosovo. Yet, in the opinion of Bulgaria's former ambassador to Kosovo, Bobby Bovev, who is talking to our colleagues at BNR, Pristina's organization of the recent municipal elections in northern Kosovo left a lot to be desired. This situation was caused by the parody-like election of new mayors in these four northern municipalities after the old Serbian mayors, elected in regular elections, resigned from their posts in protest against the Kosovan government's decision to change car number plates in the north of the country. The Serbian population boycotted these elections. A paradox has arisen whereby mayors have been elected by less than 4% of eligible voters. Today, ethnic Albanians make up around 90% of Kosovo's population, with ethnic Serbs not much more than 5%, although they form a large majority in four districts in the north of the country. Many Kosovan Serbs consider themselves Serbian citizens and resist integration efforts, such as Pristina's attempt to impose Kosovan number plates. Bobev goes on to urge the EU and the US to put pressure on Pristina to adhere to the terms of the so-called Brussels Agreement. As part of this agreement, which was drawn up in 2013, certain guarantees were put in place to recognise the Serb majority in northern Kosovo. The most useful move, however, should be taken in two other capitals, Brussels and Washington. The pressure on Kosovo must be stepped up, and the agreement reached back in 2013, note 10 whole years ago, must be implemented. In fact, voices in both Europe and the US, the latter of which is traditionally a strong advocate for Kosovo, had spoken out against the 23rd of April elections in the first place, and then against Pristina's decision to enforce the results last Friday by securing the new mayor's access to official buildings. Here, for example, is President Macron on the subject, speaking at a press conference in Bratislava on Wednesday. 
We made it very clear to the Kosovan authorities that it was a mistake to proceed with these elections within this context, as you know, of virtual non-participation. Back in March, the EU helped to broker a deal in which Kosovo would allow an association of Serb-majority municipalities to hold certain executive powers and maintain ties with Serbia. And Serbia would not object to Kosovo's membership of international organisations. The deal, though, remains unsigned. In an interview with Radio 24, the EU's special representative for the Belgrade-Pristina dialogue, Miroslav Lajcak, who is specifically charged with bringing about a normalisation of relations between Serbia and Kosovo, suggests a way forward. First, we need to de-escalate, and second, we need a political process. European Union said very clearly that these elections uh, that uh, took place in the fourth municipalities are legal, but they lack political legitimacy. And therefore, I mean, logically, the sustainable solution of the situation are early elections with the participation of the Kosovo Serb community. And this should be in the interest of all parties. And Marco Di Lido, an analyst at the Centre for International Studies, an Italian think tank, points out how high the stakes are for both countries. Their long-term structural goal is entry into the European Union. And the normalisation of relations between Serbia and Kosovo is crucial for their EU membership. The situation hangs in the balance, and in the event that this fragile piece is broken, there are several players waiting in the wings. Russia, for example, which has lost its traditional influence in the Balkans, but above all, the Gulf monarchies and China, which have been investing heavily in Serbia for years and could therefore be privileged interlocutors. In the meantime, NATO is posting 700 additional troops in Kosovo to keep the peace. Rarely does a week go by without new corruption allegations hitting the headlines somewhere in the bloc. This week, Ginu Radias covers an expense scandal that has blown up in Lithuania over recent weeks after an activist dug into the expenses of municipal councillors, elected officials who do not get paid but can claim back work-related expenses. The scandal has also hit a number of government ministers who previously worked at a municipal level. Indeed, the education minister has recently resigned from her post. The biggest party in the ruling coalition, the Conservatives, is now calling for the introduction of common standards of transparency and accountability across all Lithuanian municipalities, as well as, more controversially, a snap election in September. This proposal will go to a vote at the end of June. If the motion does not pass, Conservative Prime Minister Ingrida Shimonite is likely to resign immediately after hosting the NATO summit in July, bringing down the entire government. But the ruling coalition consists of three parties, the other two of which are liberal. And, like most of Lithuania's liberals, Parliament Speaker Victoria Chimilite Nielsen opposes this move. I feel that an unnecessary uproar has been triggered by solving one problem, that of municipal councillors' expenses, with a bigger one. I don't see any justification for that. I think it should not have been done. This is a rather emotional proposal from the Conservatives, the major coalition partners. Be that as it may, it has already been registered. I mean, the motion for an early election has been tabled, and Parliament will, of course, have to decide on it soon. Corruption is not just a problem in the EU, of course. 
and shady practices on the fringes of the Union, particularly in countries with EU membership aspirations, are of equal concern. A couple of weeks ago, for example, the head of Ukraine's Supreme Court, Vzevolod Knyaziev, was arrested on suspicion of accepting a bribe worth the best part of €3 million, Euros, allegations that come amid Kyiv's ongoing bid to demonstrate its anti-corruption credentials to the outside world. Yet, according to Lavli Perling, Estonia's former prosecutor-general, who now works as a legal advisor in Ukraine, this case is actually a good sign. Discussing the issue with Cuckoo Radio, Perling claims that the arrest of such a high-ranking official represents a victory for the rule of law in Ukraine. The fight against corruption is not possible without such serious, difficult corruption cases coming to light. Yes, the figures involved can be staggering, but let's be frank, the main focus should be on the fact that such corruption takes place at all. And secondly, that officials are willing to break the law. What is this corruption? It's the promotion of self-interest, which means that it doesn't matter if you are committing an illegal act for 1 million, 2 million or just 50 euros. The mere fact of doing it is disgusting. This is why it is important to root it out, whether we are talking about the high justice system or political corruption, corruption can only be fought by those who are themselves uncorrupted. At the beginning of May, the Commission proposed a new directive to harmonise anti-corruption measures across the bloc. Broadly, the Brussels executive wants to strengthen the investigative procedures and penalties applied to public servants who are suspected or found guilty of corrupt or fraudulent practices. The new directive, which for the first time covers both public and private sector corruption, includes embezzlement, trading in influence, abuse of office and obstruction of justice in its list of offences. It also sets more severe punishments and calls on member states to put preventive measures in place. In the wake of Qatargate, which involved alleged bribes to MEPs and EU officials from the Qatari and Moroccan authorities, the European Parliament in particular needs to show a willingness to change. And the European elections next June make this already pressing issue even more urgent, Poland's EU Affairs Minister Szymon Szykowski-Welsenk stresses to Polski Radio. In a little over a year, European Parliament elections will be held. After that, the European Commission will be elected. Before this new institutional cycle begins, regulations should be put in place to ensure that the future Parliament and European Commission cannot be susceptible to these external influences, which are extremely dangerous to all of us, to Poland, but also to the other countries of the European Union. The much-anticipated proposal for an inter-institutional ethics body has been delayed, but is expected to be published at the end of June. This body will not have the power to investigate or sanction breaches of the rules, but will ensure that the same transparency standards are applied and enforced across nine different EU institutions. That brings our Panorama podcast to a close. Tune in again next week for more insight on European affairs from our member stations.